From our nation's capital, this is Naps Chat. I'm gonna sit right down and write myself a letter and make believe it came from you. Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of Naps Chat. I'm Bob Levy, the Director of Legislative and Political Affairs for the National Association of Postal Supervisors. This week, the House of Representatives filled out the committee slots on its Oversight and Reform Committee. Representative Carol Maloney of New York will chair a 44-member panel with nine freshmen, of which one is a Democrat and there are eight Republicans. In addition, Representative Pete Sessions of Texas has returned to Congress after a two-year hiatus and is now a member of the committee, the committee on which he began his congressional career in 1997. Also returning to the committee is Democrat Representative Danny Davis of Illinois, who previously chaired its subcommittee on the Postal Service. Finally, House veteran and Democrat Hank Johnson of Georgia has also been appointed to the committee. In addition, the Senate finalized its committee assignments this week. Newly appointed Senator Alex Padilla of California has been assigned to the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee to replace the vacancy created when Kamala Harris was sworn in as vice president. In addition, freshman Senator John Ossoff of Georgia has also been assigned to the committee. Finally, during this first week of February, legislation was introduced in the House and Senate to repeal the requirement that the Postal Service prepay future retiree health benefits. Senator Steve Daines of Montana introduced S-145 along with Senator Schatz of Hawaii and Kramer of North Dakota as co-sponsors. Representative Pete DeFazio of Oregon introduced H.R. 695 with 230 co-sponsors. Identical legislation passed the House of Representatives last Congress, but was not considered in the Senate. Now let's turn to this week's NAPS chat guest. I'm delighted to welcome Rafe Morrissey, a friend and colleague who has been engaged in postal affairs for about two decades. He is currently vice president for public affairs for the Greeting Card Association. Within this capacity, Rafe represents the greeting card industry to Congress and the Postal Regulatory Commission. Welcome to NAPS Chat, Rafe. Thank you. Happy to be with you, and I appreciate the invitation. Hey, Rafe, what I usually ask our guests as, as the first question is, what is your earliest recollection of either receiving or sending mail? So uh, I have uh, two vivid recollections on both. On the receiving side, my favorite aunt uh, lived actually here in Washington, D.C., and uh, for my birthday, from the time I was very young, would send me cards with what uh, she uh, created as a toy ticket. And uh, every year it was just an amazing uh, thing to anticipate and look forward to and just, you know, a really nice validation. On the sending side, it's actually more recent. I uh, am a, a hobbyist uh, in my uh, private life and uh, had attended a convention and they were giving out very nice door prizes and I happened to win one. And so I sent a thank you card to the company that had provided the, the door prize. And about two weeks later, got this very nice note from the CEO saying that they had actually been providing these prizes for events like that for 10 years, and that was the first time they had ever gotten a thank you card. And so it's just a really neat validation of the impact that a gesture like that can have. Interestingly, just that you mentioned the thank you card having such an important impact. I'm just finished reading a book called Countdown 45, written by 
journalist Chris Wallace about the dropping of the atomic bomb, and it relates that one of the crew uh, sent a request to the uh, owner, Branch Rickey, of the Brooklyn Dodgers, asking for a Brooklyn Dodgers cap. They couldn't send him the cap, but the uh, crew members sent back a very, very nice uh, letter, a little disappointed that he did not get the Brooklyn Dodger cap, but a very well-written letter. And in response, the Dodgers, because they were so impressed with the letter, sent him um, sent him a, a cap nonetheless. Yeah, it's, it's really neat. In addition to the letter, they also sent me another model kit uh, that the, the CEO had actually signed the box top cover. So I don't think you do that for that type of reaction, but I just, I was struck by the impact that it had and, and also the fact that so few people do that so hopefully it's something that people can take to heart and it, it does make a difference the impact of the written word is something that you're really concerned about because it cards pull at america's heartstrings as well as making an impact in spreading like invi- you know, for invitations to weddings and anniversary parties as well as condolence cards and so forth can you talk a little bit about about the membership of the greeting card association like who comprises its membership and what is the association's mission sure so the association was uh, instituted in, I believe in around 1945 and has really tried to bring in uh, as many of the the publishers and supporters of the industry as possible. Our membership at the moment is a little over 200, and it ranges from companies uh, that will probably be very familiar to your listeners, uh, Hallmark Cards and American Greetings, down literally to publishers who are operating out of their kitchens and basements. And interestingly, when you look at the history of Hallmark, it started out like that. So we have members that are everywhere in in that spectrum. And our focus has really been to support the industry and provide best practices and information for the members that are just starting out and share the experience from those that are more established. But with regard to public policy issues, I've really tried to be an advocate for our customers, which we refer to as the individual citizen mailer, who are putting stamps on pieces of mail and sending them more than half of all cards sold are delivered by the Postal Service. And there really is no alternative for our customers for getting those cards to friends and loved ones. So a stable and efficient Postal Service is really an existential necessity for our industry. And so we've been working to make sure that the voice of those individual consumers is carried forward, both in terms of Congress as well as before the regulator. And we've been an active participant in the various regulatory proceedings since the late 40s. That's an interesting take on your representation on who you represent, because you're indicating that you represent, let's say, the citizen recipients of the mail, of in this case, of greeting cards, rather than the actual manufacturer of those cards. Is this a collaboration that you and the the Greeting Cards Association tried to ferment over the years? Well, I think it's just a, a recognition that those issues that impact individuals in terms of their ability to reliably mail and receive cards are heavily influenced by decisions by policymakers, but they don't really have an organized voice representing them. And so we saw the need to express that. And it is an interesting dynamic. Most of the other industry players in the Postal Service 
or, or the mailing industry are the direct mailer. And in our case, we we are obviously looking out for the interest of our, our customers. There are some companies that have direct mail operations, but predominantly our focus has been on making sure that the, the concerns of the individual mailer and policies that relate to them in terms of increases in the price of a stamp or service quality are heard loud and clear by decision makers. As I said, you know, the, the point of delivery point customers, which uh, we're, we're talking about right now, is a big issue that uh, was promoted by former chairman of the Postal Regulatory Commission, Ruth Goldway, as I recall. Absolutely. I think she very well appreciated the impact and the, that perspective. And so we appreciated her leadership and very much enjoyed working with her. Let's turn our attention now to Congress. What are the primary legislative issues that the Greening Card Association will be promoting in 2021? So our primary focus is and, and has been for some time enactment of comprehensive post reform legislation. And I think that's a critical distinction because I know in your introduction, you mentioned the recent reintroduction of pre-funding repeal legislation, which is positive, but unfortunately is only a, a small step towards addressing the Postal Service's significant financial challenges. And we've been working in collaboration with the employee groups and the broader mailing industry really since the 2006 Postal Reform and Accountability Enhancement Act was passed to try to enact legislation that would address some of the unintended consequences of that bill, pre-funding being among them. But the problem has gotten exponentially worse since 2006 and obviously with the impact of the recession. And now we're facing really a, a serious challenge in terms of decisions that the Regulatory Commission has recently made to significantly expand the Postal Service's rate-setting authority without really addressing, to be fair, the Regulatory Commission doesn't have the ability to address some of those underlying financial fundamentals, but Congress does. And so it's absolutely critical that that legislation be enacted. Secondarily, we have also been active in trying to preserve the delivery standard that would provide six-day delivery for mail in addition to the six- and seven-day delivery structure that's in place for parcels because we think that's a critical competitive edge that the Postal Service has and is very important, not necessarily for greeting card centers because you can't always predict that a piece of mail will be delivered on a particular day, but it is very important for keeping mail in the system that helps carry the load of the institutional cost burden and the more volume that can be maintained in the system, I think the better off that it is for all concerned. So we've been working to ensure that 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 delivery standard is maintained in appropriations, which it's done on an annual basis. And then also been working to make sure that there have been resolutions supporting the six day standard introduced that over the last three Congresses have accumulated passage proof margins. You point out delivery frequency as being a very, very uh, prominent issue that the Greeting Cards Association is sort of focused on. I want to talk about performance and timeliness because greeting cards, you know, if you send a, a holiday card, you want it to get there before the holiday. If you send a birthday card, you want to get it there reasonably before or on the person's birthday. Nationwide, as, as you know, Rafe, the most recent on-time performance measurement and the federal court order has basically removed the veil of secrecy or the veil of opaqueness from the uh, performance timeliness 
is that around nationwide, 64% of mail was on time during uh, the last week in December. How does the Greeting Card Association view performance as far as timeliness in the delivery of first-class mail? Well, it's it's very important. You know, while you can't predict a specific day that uh, a regular first-class piece of mail might arrive, you certainly want to make sure that it's being delivered within the service standards that are in place. And so that's a critical issue, and we are well aware that there were serious issues that were manifested themselves from the summer period and then most acutely in the holiday period. I think that the challenge there is to make sure that the Postal Service, when it's facing a crisis like that, deals with those challenges on a fair and equitable basis. And one of the things that really concerned us is that we've heard uh, that mail from the market dominant side, including first class mail, was actually turned away from facilities in deference to the incoming and unexpectedly high parcel volumes. And so that's a concern. No question that the impact of coronavirus and some of the processing changes that have been explored have had an impact. And so service definitely needs to be better. And we also think that it's critical that there be more transparency from the Postal Service in terms of what they are trying to do to address uh, their processing efficiency and perhaps some of the costs that have been unnecessarily high, but at the same time, make sure the customers know what impact that's going to have on their service. And at the end of the day, be in a situation where you can have a system that processes the mail efficiently and on time. What do you think the Postal Service, from an operational standpoint, ought to focus on to ensure the timeliness of first-class mail and of you know, greeting cards? I mean, we're talking about greeting cards specifically. Well, I think that they really need to look at their processing systems and making sure that they are running as efficiently as possible. I think that there were issues that were identified by the inspector general that had indicated that the midstream processing functions in coordination with transportation were not running as smoothly as they should. And that was creating a fairly significant increase in overtime, which we think should be addressed because at the amounts that the inspector general had identified, you're looking at $25 billion over 10 years. That's the equivalent of a prefunding payment that the Postal Service doesn't have the opportunity to simply not pay. So that has an impact. But I think that when you're looking at optimizing those systems, you need to do it in a way that makes sense and ensures that customers that are going to be impacted understand that impact, what the benefit is, and then hopefully at the end of the day, work through whatever binds or or problems that there are within the system so that you have the ability to provide the service that is established by the service standards that are in place, or if they need to be changed, be transparent in explaining what needs to happen so that people can make a determination as to whether or not the value of those changes are worth the trade-off in service. I'd like to talk about value uh, for a moment, and that's the value of the card, whether it be a birthday, because as I, I, we started out, Receiving a birthday card or anniversary card or a condolence card has has an immense value to the recipient. Uh, With the increasing use of online cards, such as marketed by Evite, how has the greeting card industry responded to that challenge? You know, it's interesting. Um, 
our, our members really try to provide whatever type of communication service our customers want, but over time, there has not been the type of uh, interest in electronic alternatives to greeting cards that we've seen in other cases, like with magazines and, and newspapers. And, you know, it's, it's somewhat understandable and encouraging that people continue to place value on the tangible uh, card that somebody has taken the time to write and touch. And so we, we provide, uh, or some of our members provide the electronic alternatives, but we've not seen the massive shift that you've seen in other spaces. And so what we've tried to do is really look at the, the desires of our customers informed by research that we do with consumers to make sure that the card sending experience meets their needs. And one of the things that we've seen is that there's a, a great degree of interest in innovative designs. Uh, and so from the publisher perspective, we share those learnings with our members and try to provide the uniqueness and individuality in the card products that are offered that will help them engage. We've also worked very collaboratively with the Postal Services Marketing Department to make sure that the card experience is uh, promoted. And we've seen some great success. We had seen a period sort of in the early 2000s of uh, steady but small declines in card volumes. But when we started working with Postal Services Marketing Team just to talk a little bit about the card experience in their holiday campaigns, that reversed and we had several years of steady growth and about 13 million more cards in the system over a period of about four years. We also worked with them on a campaign that the greeting card industry initiated a couple of years ago called Thinking of You Week, which is a period that we really uh, work to make sure that folks think about the benefit of sending a card and they help get that message out. And we saw volumes turn around at that point for non-holiday cards so that's great. The, the downside is that, you know, we still face the same type of price sensitivity issues that many other mailers do. And when we saw the, the nickel price increase in 2018, which was the largest in history, those positive volume trends, unfortunately, turned around. And so we continue to work to make sure that you've got the right balance between the price of the stamp and the value that customers see in sending cards to friends and loved ones. In terms of marketing, and I just was thinking of about this, and maybe I'm wrong, but let's say around the holiday season or Saint or Valentine's Day, or or there's a special stamp issued in recognition of people's birthdays. Do you think the graphic on a stamp, like if the postal service came out with a wonderful birthday stamp, does that help promote sales of your products? I think that it could. The the stamp designs are controlled through the Citizen Stamp Advisory Committee. And so that's not been an opportunity that we've looked at to specifically influence, although we've certainly supported stamps that we think would be meaningful. I know that our industry recently supported an initiative to institute a stamp for the Juneteenth holiday, which we, we hope will be considered. But that process is, is so heavily controlled that uh, I, I, I think that stamps play an important role and we sort of want to make sure that there's a robust array of choices that will fit with the occasion that our, our customers are intending to send cards to honor. The COVID-19 pandemic has had an impact on many industries in this country, uh, 
retail, uh, food industry, uh, the financial industry, and so forth. How has the the COVID nineteen pandemic impacted the greeting card industry? Well, I think it's created obviously very significant challenges, but also some opportunities. Early on, I think when so many retail locations were closed down, we saw some significant impacts just in terms of product availability. And I think consumer focus most significantly around the Mother's Day holiday when a lot of those uh, initial closures were first taking place. Subsequent to that, we've seen a number of uh, articles and, and also just feedback that we've gotten through the companies and the customers that people have turned to cards as a means of connecting and bridging social distancing. And so I think there's been some benefit. We don't have data for this holiday season uh, quite yet, but I think we're encouraged that people have been turning to the card sending medium in order to make those connections. But I think that there's an, an inevitable impact just in terms of the, the recess and the access to the, the products that we'll continue to, to work with. If you had a message that you would give to employees of the Postal Service right now, what would your message be on behalf of the industry? I think back to the famous quote from Benjamin Franklin, the first uh, postmaster general, that in, in the context of the revolution, we need to all hang together or we'll surely hang separately. And I think the, the solution to the postal service and postal reform challenge really depends on all of the players in the postal space, uh, the mailing industry, the employee groups, and postal service management coming together and figuring out what can work. There was a very productive dialogue that the former Postmaster General Megan Brennan instituted where she brought together stakeholders from all those three directions and identified a, a basis for comprehensive reform, which is still uh, viable and, and still on the table. But I fear that, you know, in the intervening time, people have fallen away or been diverted to more individual focus. I'm hoping that we can come together, figure out what modifications to that uh, framework need to be made and really all work together to get it over the hill. And I think there's a tremendous opportunity with this particular dynamic in Congress, uh, a new administration that seems to be very favorably disposed towards the Postal Service and its importance to the nation. And I'm hoping that we can all work together to tap in to get that comprehensive solution to the Postal Service's uh, problems enacted uh, I, this session, because from everything we're seeing, notwithstanding the relief that the Postal Service did get in the last COVID bill at the end of the year, they still face enormous challenges and potential operational insolvency at the end of this year. And so we need to hit the ground running. Rafe, I want to thank you for joining us today on NAPS Chat. Rafe Morrissey is Vice President for Public Affairs for the Greeting Card Association. Thanks for joining us, Rafe. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. For our listeners, if you enjoy NAPS Chat, please leave a positive review in the Apple Podcast Store. And more important, tell your friends to download our podcast and listen in. Be well and safe till next week. I'm going to sit right down and write myself a letter. And make 